Welcome to the Step Up Your Business podcast. This is a weekly show brought to you by the Business Advisory Center Durham. In these episodes, we'll talk about everything to do with business, how to get started, how to grow your business, you'd meet some of our clients that we work with, and upcoming events that are going on in our region. We'd love you to join us every week and hopefully take away something that you can implement into your business. Even though we are in the Durham region, a lot of the business advice and information is applicable to all businesses. Thank you and stay tuned. I really kind of pivoted in the company to making sure that uh, all of our clients and prospective clients and just individuals with businesses or persons out there uh, are staying informed on all the things COVID related because like I said, there is a lot. Um, and so, I mean, the good news is is that I have a ton of stuff to cover today and, and there's a lot of stuff that we're going to be digging into. Um, the bad news is I've got a lot to cover today as well at the same time, right? So, I mean, this is a very, very kind of text heavy uh, presentation. Normally we've got a ton of pretty little pictures and stuff like that, but at this point in time, we really felt that it was more fitting for people to know a little bit more about the criteria and if it actually impacts you or your situation. Uh, so again, you, you've got a quick agenda here. You got the big fat disclaimer down bottom that basically says, um, this is the information based on today and, and more importantly, what is available. That's yeah. So, I mean, we, we, we want to make sure that we're getting the most up to date and the most accurate information. Um, so we're going to be covering some stuff today in regards to deadlines for filings, payments, penalties, uh, all of the credits, all of the loans, all of the subsidies, uh, the, the new brand new one, that's that's the uh, Canada Emergency Commercial Rent Assistance, uh, some summer job programs, uh, as well as some other stuff pertaining to uh, individuals. So again, a lot of people have figured this out or not figured this out, but again, here you've got it right in front of you to make sure that everything kind of makes sense to you. Um, for individuals, so personal taxes, those T1s, the filing extension has changed from April 30th to June 1st, um, with the payment for those being due September 1st. So that's a very welcome change. Uh, a lot of the dates here are September 1st, which is great. Um, but again, for individuals, the filing is due June 1st, the payment is due September 1st. Um, very important note here is that even though you've got the time uh, to file your taxes a little bit later this year, when it's normally April 30th, we are very much encouraging people to spend that extra time that they've got at home to get their taxes done. And I mean, there's many reasons why you would. Uh, for starters, you wanna make sure that you're getting those GST credits and the Canada Child Benefits. Um, and even more important than that, if you've got a refund coming to you, we want that in your hands and not CRAs, right? So it's it's very important to get the money into people's hands right now. And even if you owe or you regularly owe, you should be planning now and getting your tax done so that you know how much you will owe come September 1st. Um, so for sole proprietorships or partnerships, that is unchanged. You still have uh, the filing that's due on June 15th, uh, but again, the payment is due September 1st. Um, for corporations, previously they actually did not change the filing date for this. Um, and normally with corporations, you've got six months out from your corporate fiscal year end uh, to actually file your tax return. But they have just changed this for everything that's, uh, every corporate return that's due from March 27th to June 1st is now officially due on June 1st with the payment for all of those being due September 1st as well. Um, 
And so very important note is that the penalties and interest will not be charged on any amounts that are actually incurred throughout this time. Um, so some other deadlines. So GST remittances. So the actual filing of GST right now, whether you're uh, monthly or quarterly or an annual filer, the filing frequency uh, and, and deadlines for those has actually not changed. So if you're normally filing your HST for quarter one, 2020, January to March, and it's due April 30th, it is still due April 30th, but the actual payment towards that filing, if you owe one, is due June 30th. So again, another very welcome change there. Um, payroll remittances. A lot of people have been asking about this, understandably, in regards to just remittances themselves, uh, as well as the payroll subsidies, of course, that we'll dig into a bit later. Um, but right now, the actual payroll remittances, the source deductions, there is no extension on that currently. So if your remittance period is uh, on a monthly basis, which a lot of people are, uh, and your payments are due before the 15th of the next month, uh, they are still due at the same time. Uh, but again, very important note, even though it's due, if one of the subsidies applies to you, you're gonna wanna make sure that you're accounting for that. And that's a 10% wage subsidy that we'll talk about shortly. Um, in regards to WSAB filing and payments, uh, so for everything again, between March 18th and August 31st, your filing and payment are now due uh, on August 31st. So as I'm sure most people have figured out now, uh, CRA changed, I believe it was just last Wednesday, um, that you are actually allowed to earn up to $1,000 per month or per period while collecting the CERB. So this is the big, most popular one that everybody's talking about is the CERB benefit. Um, and so now it is a very welcome change as a lot of these are to see that individuals who are earning $1,000 aren't penalized, quote unquote, for earning that money. Now, whether that's enough or not is to be determined, and I won't dig into kind of opinionated on that, because uh, at the end of the day, um, it really depends on the situation. There's always gonna be a few people kind of abusing the system. Now, uh, I have heard a quote basically, or saw something that Canada has the least amount of fraud or abuse in regards to all of this stuff, so that's very good to hear. Uh, but at the end of the day, there are going to be those few individuals who are abusing this. Now, in regards to that thousand dollars, because I know we've got a lot of businesses that are here with us, uh, that is gross income. So very important that you're aware that that's gross income, not income. I don't entirely agree with that. Um, but at the end of the day, this is what the government has, has clarified for us. So again, just to dig into a little bit more about the CERB, uh, we'll be spending a decent amount of time on this one right now because it is the most popular and it is the most far reaching. Uh, it is a $2,000 per month or per period taxable benefit. Very important that people realize that this is actually a taxable benefit. So we were actually wondering um, at the start before they started putting these $2,000 into uh, individuals' hands, if they were gonna tax this at source or not, because I mean, a lot of people who are either T Ford employees or just people who get T slips uh, are used to being taxed at source. And so, hey, here's your $2,000, but it's really 1,700 or 1,500 because you've had taxes deducted. The reality is they knew that people needed money and more money quickly. So they have not taxed this at source. And the reality is also that they probably wouldn't have had enough time to be able to determine some of the specifics here. And again, as long as they're getting money into individuals' hands, then everybody's happy. Um, it's never enough, of course, but do be aware that either, uh, I'm, I'm told that CRA is going to be issuing slips for these. So again, you can qualify for up to four periods, which can equate to about $8,000 in your hands. 
if you receive the CERB, you will be paying taxes on it before you file your 2020 taxes before, let's say, next April. Um, and so, quick placeholder there, basically, uh, originally, and we have had this discussion or this webinar about four weeks ago, uh, there was an emergency care and emergency support benefits. Those are completely gone now. So those are non-existent. Um, and again, a lot of people who have qualified or have heard about it are, uh, are aware of the stipulations, but there are some little kind of tiny asterisks and caveats in there. Um, but again, you've got to be at least 15 years of age, resident of Canada, um, and you must have had at least $5,000 from self-employment or employment income or EI within the last 12 months. Um, they started by saying in 2019, but they've changed a little bit to be within 2019 or within the last 12 months of applying. Um, so again, to be very, very clear, with this $1,000 that you can earn while receiving the CERB, if you were applying for the first period, so whenever you determine, hey, I'm ready to apply and I qualify, for that first period, you can earn more than $1,000 in the month, but there has to have been 14 consecutive days where you've earned $1,000 or less in gross income. So what that means is technically, uh, the period opened up March 15th, and I believe the first period ended uh, April 11th. So if at the very middle of March, March 15th, I earned, let's say $10,000, but then that was really it, and I only earned $1,000 thereafter for 14 days total, I would qualify for the CERB for the first period. Now, also as important, for subsequent periods that you're applying, so April 11th is a cutoff for the first period, thereafter uh, starts April 12th, um, you must earn less than $1,000 gross for the entire four-week period. So again, to reiterate, period one, you can earn more than $1,000 in the month, but as long as there's 14 consecutive days where you've only earned $1,000, you qualify. For subsequent periods, is $1,000 total for the four-week period. Um, they've also opened this up to uh, individuals who uh, used to receive regular EI benefits, and as of January 1st, 2020, they either ran out uh, or you simply didn't qualify for them anymore. You now actually uh, qualify for the CERB. Uh, same thing for seasonal workers as well. So those who are expecting to start their job in April or May uh, on an annual basis, they're qualifying for EI over the winter months and going back in the summer, you qualify as well. Um, a big question we're asked and understandably is what about students? And the government is very aware that there are big gaps and they're filling them as fast as they can, not fast enough, um, and it'll never be fast enough um, because the people need money. But right now, there is nothing available to students specifically in regards to the CERB just yet. I do expect that to change very, very soon though. Um, so I talked about the $1,000 that you can earn uh, and still qualify for the CERB. So there are a few different types of income that you can earn that don't actually uh, account towards the $1,000 threshold. So you've got rental income, you've got company pensions in CPP and OAS, you've got disability payments, social assistance and bursaries. So it's very important that if you've got a small business or if you're receiving some sort of income on a part-time basis and you have any of these actual other income streams, they do not count towards the $1,000 threshold. So you can completely exclude them. And this is the very short list of those items that are on uh, that exclusion list. Um, another big thing that people were asking is basically, it's, 
it seems easy for a lot of people to say, well, a thousand dollars a month, that makes sense. I get it. But not so much for a lot of individuals who are either real estate agents or travel agents or people who are basically being paid in the current month for work that they did either weeks ago or months ago. And so that happens to a lot of people. And so previously, CRA had actually basically said, well, when you receive the income or when it hits your hand or your bank, you, that, that counts towards the $1,000 threshold. But it's now been clarified uh, through a few different sources that I have that it's basically when it's invoiced. And now I gotta be very clear on this because this is a very interesting spot here. Um, but at the end of the day, something that even overrides both of these comments is that in my two examples, real estate agents as well as uh, travel agents, um, it's not necessarily on when it's invoiced per se for those who receive a T4A for their self-employed earnings. For those individuals who actually receive a T4A for their self-employed earnings, it's based on when that money hits your T4A. So let me give you a very quick example. Somebody, Chris Christian, she's, uh, she cleans houses. When she invoices that client, that income is earned and that goes towards her $1,000 gross income that she can receive. Whereas a real estate agent, they might sell a house today. The reality is something could happen, the buyer could back out or something like that, even though they've sold it. And so with real estate agents, I know that the income, when it hits their hands, that's when it hits their T4A. And so it's a little contradictory with what you're reading there, but the overriding principle is that if you get a T4A for your self-employed earnings, it's based on when the income hits your T4A. So very important. But again, for those self-employed individuals who don't actually get a T4A, it's based on when it's invoiced. So it's the accrual method. Um, a very good kind of welcome, welcome piece of news here is that if you receive the CERB, and if it's determined that you don't actually qualify at a later point, and if it was a mistake, CRA won't actually penalize you. So again, CRA is very aware that again, the situation is very fluid and there's a million and one different changes kind of coming down the pipeline right now at a rapid pace. And so they understand that if I've accidentally applied for and I've received the money, we're not gonna penalize you because you might have applied today and the rules change tomorrow, so we can't blame you for that, right? Um, so you will, of course, have to pay it back in its full, uh, the full 8,000 or $2,000 that you've received, um, but they won't penalize you. Uh, a big topic from a lot of our corporate clients is if I can't afford to pay myself anymore as an owner and employee of my own corporation, what happens there? Because I'm not earning any income personally. Yes, the corporation's earning money, and yes, it's over the $1,000 threshold, but that's barely, if at all, covering my overhead expenses. The reality is right now is that, yes, the corporation is a completely different entity uh, than the individual. Um, however, CRA has not made the distinction just yet in regards to if the owner actually qualifies for the CERB. And I've clarified this a million and one times with CRA, and we'll dig into this a little bit more later. Um, so right now, we're suggesting that owners who qualify it uh, of corporations who have paid themselves on payroll try for the Canadian emergency wage subsidy, which we'll dig into first. Um, and so again, another big, big topic for individuals uh, and businesses, sorry, I should say, is small business loan options. So what is available to me? So 90% of people that I'd like to think are aware of the Canadian emergency business account. And that might be a high number, but the reality is a lot of people and a lot of businesses who are looking for money have found it whether they needed to or not. This is a very, very attractive loan, super attractive. 
Um, and, and more often than not, you won't really hear an accountant say, well, apply for this loan even if you don't need it. Uh, this is one of those times where we're highly suggesting that, right? So it's an interest-free loan um, for a, a short period of time. So all major banks are actually allowing you to basically apply directly online. It's a $40,000 loan for small businesses and not-for-profits. It is interest-free up until December 31st, 2022. Thereafter, it will be a three-year short-term loan with 5% interest. So um, again, this is all applied for directly through your financial institutions. We've created a little bit of a cheat sheet that basically says, hey, if you're RBC, this is how you apply. Hey, if you're BMO, this is how you apply. So we've got a little bit of a cheat sheet there if you're unsure of how to apply. Um, but again, one of the most attractive things about this loan is not only is it interest-free, um, if you pay back 30,000 of the $40,000 loan, then CRA will forgive, quote unquote, $10,000 or up to $10,000. So that's $10,000 in your pocket. Um, if you use the money the way that they are intending, and now it's very important to actually note that um, there are kind of asterisks on how you use this money. It is for non-deferrable operating expenses. So you can't simply use it to pay the owner of a corporation a larger management fee or a larger dividend. Um, you have to pay it towards non-deferrable expenses, such as payroll, such as property taxes, such as uh, the actual supplies for your business to keep it afloat. Uh, and one of the most important things and one of the most welcome changes that we've seen is, I believe it was on last Thursday, uh, the threshold used to be between $50,000 and a million dollars of payroll that you must have paid in 2019 to your employees in order to qualify. They increased and decreased that eligibility at the same time, which was huge because I had a ton of people in between that twenty dollars to $50,000 mark and even between the million and $1.5 million. So now, if you've paid between $20,000 and $1.5 million in payroll in 2019 per your T4 summary, then you will qualify as long as you check the other boxes. Now, a lot of people have asked me, well, what about management fees? What about dividends? What about if I'm taking shareholder loan? right now completely irrelevant as it's based directly on box 14 on your t4 summary it doesn't matter they've excluded it entirely right now so if you haven't paid payroll in 2019 of over 20,000 and under 1.5 million you do not qualify currently so again that still does leave people a little bit in the dark because there are the companies who have paid less than 20 grand in payroll or more than 1.5 million and so there are a couple other loan options there is the option number one is, is that we're recommending anyways, is backed by the EDC. So the small and medium sized business loan and guarantee program. So loan number one is CEBA, the Canada Emergency Business Account. Number two suggested by us is the one that is backed by the EDC. Again, there's very, very minimal to no details pertaining to this right now. It's said to be opened up within the next couple of days for you to apply for this and it will be applied directly through your financial institution. The third option is uh, to apply for a $100,000 uh, maximum small business loan right through the BDC. So again, not a ton of details in regards to that, and I actually haven't heard the greatest things in regards to kind of the response rates, um, but this one is directly uh, government guaranteed, and it is through the BDC. Now there are a few kind of specifics there. You need to have your financials up to date. You must have had your business uh, generating revenues for at least 24 months. Uh, and one of the very uh, most important pieces of that is that you must have a viable business model. So there's no actual specific stipulations in regards to what that means, um, but you must have a viable business model. So again, option one 
is CEBA. That's the $40,000 loan interest-free for about two years uh, and, and 10,000 possibly forgiven. Uh, and you can apply directly through your financial institution. Um, option two, EDC, which you also apply directly through your financial institution. And finally, option three is the BDC working capital loans up to $100,000 where you apply through BDC directly. Mike, if I could just um, interrupt just for a moment. Sure. There are a couple of questions specific to those two sure. slides that have come up. Sure. First, for what it's worth, I will have a Q&A at the end, but I'm happy to answer them now too. Just because very specific to this one. So one of them is, is a guarantor required for this loan and what requirements for that individual? And I believe Ross responded to the second one regarding sole proprietorship. So my understanding that one is taken care of. So the first question is, is a guarantor required for this loan? And what requirements for that individual? Do you know that? So right now we are told that there are no personal guarantees. Now we haven't confirmed with every bank. Now um, we've confirmed, I think, with about three to four with clients and mortgage brokers and other people that we kind of work with. Um, but right now, a few from what we've heard, no is the answer. No, it's not required. Thank you. No problem. Um, so another very, very big topic here. So the Canadian Emergency Wage Subsidy. This is the very attractive 75% payroll reimbursement from CRA. And again, it is a reimbursement. So it's the other subsidy is very different than this one, um, but this one CRA will reimburse you. So again, 75% of gross wages, uh, up to almost $60,000 to a max of $847 per week. Um, very important determination and distinction on if you qualify for this. Um, as it stands right now, you must have had your revenues decrease by 15% in March 2020 comparative to either March 2019 revenues or an average of January and February 2020 revenues. And we'll dig into that a little bit more. Um, and then it's 30% thereafter for, for April and May. Um, right now, it says, the Prime Minister has said basically, if you cannot afford to pay the extra 25%, you don't have to. Now, we'll dig into a little more specifics on what that kind of means, but it is still very kind of cryptic, and there's not a ton of information in, in regards to, well, what's, what kind of uh, calculation determines if it can or cannot afford to pay these people. Um, so, number of employees is irrelevant. Uh, but there are also serious consequences. So CRA has said that not only will you need to pay back the reimbursement if it's found that you don't qualify for this, uh, there will be a 25% penalty on top of that. Um, and they actually, uh, they've written on their website in regards to the penalties that you could face imprisonment. So I think that's really just trying to scare people into not abusing the system and make sure that you actually qualify. Again, ask an accounting professional or somebody to make sure and double check your numbers to make sure that you do qualify. Um, this uh, emergency wage subsidy pertains to payroll that was paid between March 15th and June 19th, uh, and there are periods within there for, for qualifying. So we're going to dig into two kind of uh, very large-scale things that I've been asked by a lot of clients. So I kind of touched on it at the start here um, in regards to the wage subsidy. So I own a corporation and I pay myself payroll. Do I qualify for the wage subsidy for myself? The answer is maybe. And it is all based on pre-crisis earnings. So same thing that I'm saying for the owner of a corporation who's paid themselves payroll. If I'm paying my brother or my son or my spouse, uh, these are the same rules that go for them to make sure that nobody abuses the system. 
So if I pay myself $2,000 a month for my own corporation, well, great, CRA is going to reimburse me 75%. I think I'm going to take a raise up to $10,000 a month, and I'm going to take $7,500 from CRA. It does not work that way, unfortunately. So that's why they've put the little asterisk here that basically says that this is based on pre-crisis earnings, which is good and bad. So it's good for those who, uh, to make sure that uh, individuals aren't abusing the system. So the bad part is there's a lot of people who simply pay themselves, let's say $2,000 per month and it's either dividends or management fees or I'll reallocate it later. Um, so for those who didn't actually have the set in stone payroll for January 1st to March 15th, 2020, are ineligible for this as owners of the corporation. So you must have paid yourself payroll between January 1st and March 15th, 2020. Like I said, for now, dividends, management fees, and shareholder loans and stuff are excluded. Uh, so this is, same goes for everybody who is a non-arm's length employee. Um, so another big question, uh, should I rehire or should I try and get my employees to qualify for the CERB? So CRA is really trying to get people to rehire their employees as best they can. And now it's, it's a bit interesting because a lot of people say, well, I don't have any work. How can I rehire them? The reality is, for better or worse, CRA has said that if you rehire your employees and if you pay them at least 75% of their pre-crisis earnings, and if they're doing nothing for you, they're sitting at home doing nothing, CRA will not only reimburse you the 75% of their wages, which could be basically 100% of their wages if you're only paying them 75%, and on top of that, they will reimburse you 100% of the employer paid contributions of CPP and EI. So you are not out of pocket even a dollar. So again, to be very clear, that 100% employer contribution refund is only for those employees who you've rehired back because they're gonna be earning more money from you basically than they would be on the CERB and they're doing nothing for you. As strange as it sounds, if they're working for you even a little bit, you don't actually qualify for the 100% reimbursement of CPP and EI uh, employer contributions. So again, CRA is basically saying if your employees are going to benefit more from being on payroll with you, then you should bring them back even if they're doing nothing because they'll make more on payroll and will reimburse you everything uh, versus the employee qualifying for the CERB. Um, so as I was briefly mentioning before, there are two comparative options for determining if you actually qualify for the CEWS. So like I said, option one is that the year over year. So again, your March revenues are 15% lower in 2020 compared to March 2019 revenues. That was the only original option at the start. And we'll see where I got a lot of flack for that because there's either high growth firms or businesses that have been created a lot later than last year. So they don't have any comparative basis on a year over year. So what they introduced is basically, okay, we understand. And so what we'll let you do is for March, April, and May, we'll let you compare those revenues to an average of your January and February 2020 gross revenues. So to be very clear, it is a 15% decline in March 2020. And that's because the crisis hit, quote unquote, in the middle of the month. And for April and May, it is 30%. Now, again, it's, it's good that it's got 15% and they're recognizing it doesn't need to be 30% in March. And another very important part here is that if you qualify for one of those months, so let's say you hit the mark, I'm 20% down in March, but I'm only 15% down in April. That's actually okay because my last bullet there uh, says if you qualify for one month, 
you automatically qualify for the next. So as long as you've hit one of those marks, being 15% in March or 30% and 30% in April and May, you qualify for the next period automatically. Now, the portal to actually apply for this is not open just yet. I'm being told kind of unofficially that it's gonna be on April 27th that you're gonna be able to start applying for this. Um, and it will be directly through your CRA My Business account. So definitely make sure you're ready for that and that you're registered for a CRA My Business account. Um, and again, another very important part here is that basically you must choose uh, as of the first date of application or reimbursement when you're actually telling CRA all that information online, whether you want to use the cash method or an accrual method, you can't switch back and forth. So, hey, it makes more sense for me this month to be cash and next month accrual. You cannot do that. At the start, you've got to determine it. And this is really where those penalties are going to come into play. CRA is no doubt going to put in some form of auditing mechanism. So just be very careful about that and make sure that you're choosing the method that makes most sense for you. Here's where one of those things in, in, in hindsight is certainly helping here. So a lot of people are mad that CRA has taken so long, but by the time this is open, you're pretty much going to have your March and, uh, March and April revenues done and ready. So you can actually choose what's going to make most sense based on two months. So it's kind of a good thing that you've got a little bit of flexibility there to determine whether you want to use the cash or accrual method. So here's an example of exactly how it's going to work. So you've got gross payroll that you're paying your employee for the week of 1250. You've got your tax, your CPP, your EI deducted 450 bucks. Your net pay is 800 bucks. You pay your employee $800. That's quick and easy. Same as normal payroll. CRA will reimburse you $847. Now, to be clear, that's because that's the maximum, max of $847 per week based on gross payroll. So, um, had you paid the person less, they would potentially pay you 100% of their wages. It really kind of depends. There's a ton of different variables here, and this is kind of how it's, uh, how it's relayed right now. Now, because the 75% of the $1,250 would have been about $937, that's why you're capping at $847. Um, and it does get a little bit more interesting when, let's say, uh, you had an employee who was on payroll uh, pre-crisis and they made about $1,000 a week and you can't afford to pay them that much. Cash, just, cash flow just doesn't allow that. You are able to pay them $750 uh, per week as gross payroll and CRA will reimburse you 100% of that. So it's based on the greater of pre-crisis earnings uh, based on the current. So that can get very kind of confusing. So I'd be happy to walk people uh, through that individually. Um, but that's where the greater of the, the crisis earnings can kind of come into play here. And that's really where you're not quote unquote, uh, it, it's not mandatory to pay that extra 25%. Um, the other wage subsidy is a 10% temporary wage subsidy. So pretty much everybody qualifies uh, as long as you have a, uh, had, had a payroll number as of March 18th, 2020. Um, and this one works wildly differently than the 75% payroll subsidy. Now, again, there's far less criteria. This is pretty much 99.9% .9 of employers. Um, it's just not public bodies is basically the only people that don't qualify for this. Um, and this one, you don't actually get reimbursed anything. You actually just keep a little bit of cash flow in your pocket. So uh, this is to a maximum of about 1375 per employee into a maximum of about 25,000 per employer. Um, and let me just show you the example. It'll make a little bit more sense for you here. So with the 10% wage subsidy, which again is completely different than the 75% wage subsidy, 
This is based on just keeping a little bit of cash flow in your pocket. So same gross pay, 1250. You've deducted of income taxes only, $300. So not CPPEI, you still do that as normal, but this only factors in the actual taxes deducted. So the 10% wage subsidy is $125, which is 10% of your gross pay. So what happens is you deducted $300 of taxes as normal on that employee's paycheck. But when you pay CRA your remittances on a monthly or biweekly basis, whatever schedule you're set up for, you're holding back 10% of your gross pay. So what that means is 300 less the 10% of gross pay, you only give CRA $175 of that 300 tax dollars that you deducted from that employee's paycheck. So very important note, you do not change anything in the way that you're actually paying your employee. You still pay them and deduct everything as normal. The reason I have the little asterisk on as normal is because factor in all the other subsidies and everything as well. Um, but this is only a reduction of payments made to CRA based on the income tax that you've deducted from these employees' checks. So super important, because there are two payroll subsidies, how the heck do these intertwine with each other if I actually qualify for both? Um, and so it's, it, it can get very kind of confusing. So you want to make sure you've got somebody in your corner that's either handling your payroll or handholding uh, what you're doing with payroll uh, because it can get very, very sticky. Um, and so what I've done here is, again, another example of how they kind of interact with each other. So you've got, again, your gross pay of $1,250. You've got your net pay of $800. And your benefit for the 75% wage subsidy is $847. So because 937 was higher, you got your max of 847 there. And you've got the 10% subsidy benefit of $125 because you paid CRA $125 less uh, with that subsidy. So what happens is, even though if you only qualified for one, you'd get one or the other. But if you actually qualify and meet all the criteria for both, you must only apply for the net portion. So again, to reiterate, your benefit for the 75% would be 847. Your benefit for the 10% would be 125. So when you apply for the CEWS benefit, so the 75%, you must only tell them that I only qualify for $722. And so I don't have any insight in information in what's what the actual criteria and what the uh, questionnaire and stuff is going to look like through CRA my business account I know they are actively scrambling and working on it right now um, but this is exactly what CRA has told me to make sure that you don't double dip because you've essentially by way of the 10% subsidy already saved $125 so the government will only help you up to the max of both kind of combined so again like I said previously uh, make sure that you either got an accountant, got a payroll company, got somebody who is helping you out, or you can ask us for templates. We've got templates to help you track the 75% subsidy as well as the 10% subsidy. So don't be shy. Absolutely uh, reach out and let us know if you'd like those templates as well if you're handling payroll yourself. So the other most new thing that has actually been announced, I believe it was last Friday or Thursday, um, is the CECRA. So just another acronym for everybody. So what this is, and very, very, very limited details, what you see on the screen is the same amount that I actually know. Um, so it's going to be uh, small businesses will seek to provide the loans or forgivable loans to commercial property owners. So it's actually going to be going to the commercial property owners 
and in turn, they must lower or completely forego the rent for small businesses. Um, it will be retroactive to April, and you've got May and June that are included there as well. So again, very, very, very limited details, basically what uh, the Prime Minister vocally said. Um, there's really no information. Now, I know a lot of people are kind of uh, have questions in regards to, well, what if my uh, landlord chooses not to relay this to me? What if they don't tell me that they've got this loan and they're still chasing me down for these dollar figures? Um, we'd like to think that wouldn't happen again. Let's hope it doesn't. Um, the reality is they're still working on it and I'm sure there's a ton to come. This could even be completely revamped or changed entirely. So right now, what you see here is only uh, the only information that exists currently. Um, so another kind of welcome change. So this is in regards to students as well. Um, and, and as I mentioned, students currently don't qualify for the CERB. However, there are uh, significant changes to the summer jobs program. So what it's basically saying is so for qualifying uh, owners and employers, they can receive up to 100% of minimum wage reimbursement. So that's super attractive. I know I have a lot of landscaping clients who basically pay uh, the students minimum wage as well. So that's 100% wage subsidy. Um, so again, right now, they're putting a lot of effort into the summer jobs program. Um, and again, there's a lot more changes to come. There's very minimal information here right now. Um, there used to be a lot of uh, stipulations in regards to this. So you must work over 30 hours per week. It must be guaranteed. They're tapering that back a little bit again. Their whole goal is to get as many people working as they can. Um, so opening up these opportunities is certainly going to help people look into hiring more when they either normally wouldn't. Or hey, let's get some of those students who wouldn't normally have some work because I can receive up to 100% of what my kind of provincial minimum wage is for those people. And again, it's important to note that this isn't a 100% wage subsidy. It's a 100% wage subsidy for minimum wage. So if you pay them more than minimum wage, you won't get 100% of that. They will reimburse you whatever your province's or your territory's uh, minimum wage actually is. And they're also extending the date for this. Uh, again, another welcome change to February 28th, 2021. Um, so just some other things as well. So we've got the GST credit payments. Uh, hopefully everybody's seen that come in as long as your tax returns are up to date, not including 2019. Um, you should have got that one-time special payment on April 9th, 2020, uh, which is double the maximum. So it's, it's again, very welcome money in, uh, in taxpayers' pockets um, on an average of about 400 to, to 600 per couples. Um, and so the CCB is also being increased by about 300 bucks a child. That'll be automatic as well. And CRA has not explicitly said that if you haven't filed your 2019 taxes, you won't get it. Now I can tell you with confidence that that had been the case uh, previously, that if you didn't file your taxes up to date, you won't receive any of these credits. They now are saying that uh, basically do your best to make sure that your tax returns are up to date so you don't miss any of these. They haven't said that you will or won't. I imagine that they won't actually pay them out because I mean, it's only fair um, to make sure that they're cross-referencing it with your income. Now, something that isn't income-based and is Ontario only is, uh, is it's called quote-unquote support for families. So this is a super easy one. It's brand spanking new. Uh, you must apply. So the GST and the CCB are automatically uh, applied for as long as you've been receiving it in prior years. But the support for families credit, you must apply for it. So we've got a link if you're wondering, or you can simply Google support for families and it'll pop up. It is straight up 200 bucks for kids in between the ages of zero to 12 and $250 for those with special needs uh, in the ages of zero to 21. Um, there is no income stipulations on this. 
So for the GST credits or the CCB, a lot of times, hey, I make too much money, so I don't qualify for this. That's irrelevant. That's out the window for the support for families. So even if you make a million dollars, you qualify for that $200 per child. So that is uh, very welcome there as well. Um, some other stuff, some other kind of CRA changes because of COVID. So CRA um, is actually suspending all audit activities, which is certainly welcome from our perspective, uh, as well as the taxpayers and businesses as well. Um, but basically everything's put at a halt. They're not doing anything in regards to that. I mean, more than anything, they understand that we're in the middle of a crisis. And on top of that, a lot of their employees are working from home and don't want to go out and audit people as well, right? So it's, I don't want to say a win-win, that's kind of overstating it, but it is a welcome change to see that they're not actually chasing people uh, or auditing new businesses or this or that. Now, that doesn't mean you're completely scot-free after this is all over. They could go back and retroactively review or audit you to be determined, of course, it's the same as anything for six years. Um, so be aware of that. That doesn't mean just basically, hey, let's throw every number and, and, and see what sticks, uh, but they're not actually uh, auditing anybody currently. Um, on top of that, just as welcome, uh, they're suspending collections. So basically, uh, if you owed CRA any money, a lot more flexible cases here. They haven't chased anybody. I know we were regularly getting calls because CRA had been ramping up, uh, freezing banks and such, uh, and they're getting very, very serious with that. So do be conscious of making sure that you're at least staying in communication with CRA or you're informing your accountant or you're at least opening those dreaded brown envelopes. A lot of people just throw it under the couch, whatever the heck you need to do with it. Please open it and send it to your accountant or at least call CRA. Uh, the worst thing you can do is just kind of completely ignore CRA. Uh, so it's good to see that they're suspending collections on, on debt as well. Um, okay, so in regards to OSAP, so uh, uh, OSAP is actually extending the, the, the payment processing here as well. So you, if you owed anything prior to March 30th, 2020, you have until September 30th to now pay that. So it's very good that they're not charging any interest in this time as well. I mean, right now, especially because there's not really much out there for students, um, how can they really say, well, okay, well, you can't get a job, but now you still owe me these payments. So it's, it's very welcome to see that they're allowing people to pay OSAP at a later point. Um, E-signatures, this is very welcome in our industry, especially because there's a lot of people who, I don't have a printer or I don't have this or I don't have that, how the heck do I get you my authorization form? CRA is allowing e-signatures now, which is phenomenal. Uh, as crazy as it sounds, they're actually uh, only allowing it temporarily. So maybe that will change at the end of this, but they're allowing e-signatures anyways. Um, extending the work sharing program. So we've actually had a lot of questions about should I do this or should I do that or should I apply for the work sharing program? Now, the work sharing program can be very attractive, depends on uh, a million and one different factors, but they're extending the work sharing program to 76 weeks, which is which is great to see as well for all those employees or sorry, companies who, who have got employees who have agreed to kind of share the work between everybody. Uh, RRIFs, so CRA has reduced the minimum requirement by 25% uh, as well. So for those seniors who are, are, are not doing so great in the cash department right now, CRA is, is making a little bit of changes there as well. Um, very important to note, it's still tax time. So as I kind of started this presentation, um, don't delay your taxes right now uh, for credit reasons. We want to get that money in your pocket. For refund reasons, if, if you've got a refund coming to you, I want it in your hands, not CRAs, or they're holding it as an interest-free loan on your money. 
um, we want you to get your taxes done, whether it's through us or you do it yourself or somebody else, just get that done. Again, last thing we want to do is have your credits delayed because of uh, the lack of filing in your taxes. And now a lot of people have more time at home where they can focus on their taxes. So I know we haven't really slowed down much. Um, and that's especially because, I mean, the COVID stuff and everything else. Now, everybody's obviously got uh, a little extra time, so which is great, but don't use that time. Now is a perfect time to make sure that you're getting your taxes done as well. And so that's it. That's it for now. Again, very important to note, everything that I just kind of mentioned, uh, there's a lot more uh, eligibility criteria and things that are changing on an hourly basis. Um, but just do make sure that what you've seen here, uh, that you don't focus on this solely. Because again, we've got a new Facebook group that we just created uh, strictly for all this COVID information that we're steering a lot of our clients and everybody towards because we're answering regular questions there, promoting, uh, sorry, posting big posts with a lot of kind of details and changes and everything completely up to date. Uh, so make sure that you're staying completely up to date or asking questions regularly at bare minimum. Okay. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Mike. That was excellent. No we, problem. You did say we're now open to Q&A, so questions and answers. So there are a couple that did come through as you were going through. I know you mentioned, you talked about the guarantor. They asked, is BMO one of those banks that you haven't reached yet or, or didn't get a response? I have not heard from BMO yet, unfortunately. Okay, and then the next question is, if you haven't issued yourself a paycheck in 2020, should you then apply for the CERB? So my question back to you is, number one, are you a sole proprietorship or a corporation? I assume a corporation since you can't pay yourself payroll from a sole prop. Um, and number two, how much money is your company still making? So if you're a corporation, again, that's a, probably the number one question I'm asked, is if my corporation is making more than $1,000 gross for the month, and I'm not even covering costs, and I clearly cannot afford to pay myself payroll, do I personally qualify for the CERB? And the answer right now is to be determined, because I've confirmed as many ways and with as many kind of divisions of CRA and, and outlets as I can, and right now, even though I'm very much of the belief that if your company can't afford to pay you, then you should very well qualify. Um, the reality is CRA hasn't determined the stipulation. So how do we know truly that your corporation can't afford to pay you? Well, a net loss should be the obvious answer, but I don't determine those calculations, unfortunately. So the reality is the answer right now doesn't exist. So it's, it's really tough. It's very tough. So again, we're suggesting that people qualify for the 75% subsidy right now if they can and if they meet all the other requirements. But right now it's up in the air. I do expect that to change and I do expect corporation owners who can't afford to pay themselves to qualify for the CERB, but as of today, it's unclear. Okay, and where, uh, so you're saying that it's very difficult to reach the RA to try and get some of these answers or questions answered. So what, is there a suggestion or, or is there a recommendation to give to individuals who are in that limbo period and need some cash flow relief? So um, the reality is, and I call CRA every single day, at least two to three times a day, and I wait the hour or three hours that it is. Um, and the reality is, and, and it's, it's not that I don't know the answers, it's that CRA themselves don't know the answers. So I can say with very, very serious confidence that if, if 
I have an answer to here today in regards to one of these things. It's because CRA doesn't have the answers either. And I've asked them every single question upside down and sideways. That's not to say that I know everything to the T, um, but I do read every CRA website before bed. Um, but basically, it's because the information is moving so fast, the answers don't exist. So I can't officially say this on the record, but as I mentioned previously, um, CRA is aware that if you receive the CERB, the $2,000 per period, and you're found to have not qualified at a later point when they've fine-tuned the details, there won't be any penalties. Okay, so with that, thank you. Um, I'm just going through them quickly to see if there is. The other one is, for the CEWS, would you need to rehire all the staff or just the owner and maybe one to two staff if the other staff would benefit more from CERB than the 75%? And I think you did touch upon that. That's okay. Yep. The answer is no, you don't need to rehire everybody. So at the start, it looked like you did need to. At this point, you can hire back whoever you want. And, and what, what you said there is kind of spot on. Why would you hire back the people who are benefiting more from CERB? Do them a favor and have them just apply and, and qualify for that. Um, so those individuals who are going to receive more by way of being rehired back and, and possibly doing absolutely no work um, and receiving more than $2,000 per month, Yes, it's gonna be a lot more work for you and or your payroll company to make sure that you're doing this appropriately, but the reality is your employees will receive more if you, of course, your pre-crisis earnings were more than the 2,000. They will receive more if they're brought back on payroll than the CERB. Of course, that depends on how much you were paying them pre-crisis, but, uh, but yeah, that's, that's another reason why CRA is trying to get people back on payroll whether they're working or not. Right. Uh, it was a two-part question too. So if you do rehire them after giving these rules keep changing, can it be retroactive to when they receive CERB to repay CERB? Do you think that they'll kind of go, oh, no, you shouldn't have received it? And yeah, very good question. So uh, I actually double-checked this with, or triple-checked this with CRA just yesterday. You cannot overlap the wage subsidy as well as CERB at the same time. So again, if you hire somebody back retroactive, let's say for the month of, uh, where are we, for the month of March, um, you can do that as long as that kind of goes within the actual pay guidelines if you're paying people on a monthly basis, um, but they will have to repay CERB. So I've also got a lot of questions that have been asked basically, well, what if my, my normal pay with this employee is less than a thousand? Will they qualify for CERB and I'll qualify for the CEWS? Right now, the answer is no, you won't qualify for the wage subsidy. So you gotta make the decision there. Is that the employee that you should kind of keep on or lay them off because they'll make 2000 as opposed to 1000 uh, through you. So right now, the answer is you can't double dip with that. So you've gotta make very sure of the periods for the, the CERB. And again, even if the employees receive the CERB and hey, let's retroactively pay them only within the time frame and an appropriate pay period, um, what happens is you can still do that and CRA has actually told you how to repay them now. You've, you've basically got to mail a check back in. It's right on the application form for CERB. Okay. Uh, da, 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 da. Yes, and, and I think you touched upon regarding can the owner apply for CEWS even though all employees have been laid off due to the work and they're the ones working behind the scene and normally receive a paycheck. And I, I think, again, you, you yes. have mentioned. They can, sorry, they can as long as they paid themselves payroll within January 1st to March 15th, 2020. So if you've got that retroactive history to uh, create an average based on, then yes. 
Okay, so the next question is the decline March 1st to the 31st or the first period March 15th to April 11th? Wow, very good question. So it is based, it, it's a bit kind of wonky the way that it works, but to determine your eligibility, it is based on the start of the month to the end of the month. However, the actual payments and reimbursements you'll receive are based on payroll within the CEWS periods, which is, I think the first one's March 15th to uh, April 9th. So the qualification eligibility is based on the actual month itself, um, but the actual reimbursement portion is not based on those exact guidelines. Okay, some great questions here. I still haven't, okay, this is a, and I'm hearing this from a few other people. They've applied for the CEBA April 11th and they received that. Um, received a thank you for your application email. So they received acknowledgement of the application in, but they haven't received any money yet. Should they reapply? So no, I would not reapply. So again, let me, let me ask you one more question here because um, have they been uh, approved? Did those emails say that they were approved or did they read it deep enough to know that it said there was an invalid business number or an invalid dollar figure on your T4 sum? There have been a lot, I've heard from a lot of clients and colleagues that have basically said, well, I know I've got all the right information. Um, and, and for some reason they're telling me my business number is invalid. So make sure you're using your RP0001 and make sure that the dollar figure you provide them is directly from what CRA has on file for your box 14 on your T4 summary. So if you've received an invalid information email from them, cross-reference no. as much as best you can with CRA. Um, but if it's a, a, something that says you're approved, here you go, you should have the dollar figures in the next five business days, do not reapply again. Do your best to contact the banks. Uh, I'm very much told that people should not be applying again. The reality is I've had a lot of people who have been approved um, and, and even though the banks are saying do not apply again, I had some people who have applied again and it's worked after that. So I can't officially say that, um, but basically contact your bank if you can. Obviously it's tough right now, but do your best to try and contact your bank or, uh, or your branch manager. Okay. Um, yeah, and they just confirmed that there was no, no indication that something was okay. invalid. So. Okay, yeah, yeah. I've heard of some people getting it as quick as in three business days. Others are on their 10th to 15th business day right now. So yeah, it's, it, it's a tough answer. Their banks are recommending not to reapply, but if that's what gets me my money, right? Right, right. And if worst case, I, I said, well, anyway, I'll be off the record. <laughs> you can always send it back <laughs> if you get it twice, right? Uh, if one receives CERB on April 6th, then when, does the, when do they reapply for the next month payment? Is it on May 6th? So if you're doing it, if you applied and got it on April 6th, do you wait then the month and then you reapply again May 6th? Good question. The answer is no. <laughs> so the periods are in four-week blocks. So the first period, I don't have it in front of me, but the first period I know was March 15th to April 11th. And so as long as you received the funds in between that period, that was for period one, assuming you apply. And so April 12th and beyond for the next four-week period, you can apply as soon as it opens. Now, I say as soon as it opens, but what I really mean is CRA is pushing people towards applying on the day of the week that coincides with your birth month. So what that means is, let's say April 12th was on uh, a Monday. You can only apply if your birth month is January, February, March. And so for Tuesdays, it's April, May, June, and so on and so forth. So Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays are available for everybody to apply for the CERB. 
but uh, as soon as the next period opens, you can apply for the second period as long as your birth months coincides. So you don't need to wait a full month at all. Do you know when the next period opens? It was April 12th for four weeks. I can get it here. May 10th. May 10th. So April 12th to May 9th, and the next one opens May 10th. Okay, so hopefully that helps um, answer that specific question. And I know um, you, Ross answered a couple that are in the box, so I won't go over those again. Um, the next one is the first eligibility period for CEWS in terms of calculating the 15% or 30% decline. Okay, I think you asked, you answered this about the March 1st to 31st or March, 11, um, yeah. March 15th to April 11th. So I believe yeah, you did yeah. answer that. And, and I actually do have the details in front of me now. So again, the eligibility period is the actual month itself. But uh, so for March 1st to March 31st, that determines if you qualify. But then if you do qualify, it is for payroll between March 15th and April 11th. So it looks like it very much coincides with the CEW or sorry, the CERB periods because period two is April 12th to May 9th. Period three is May 10th to June 6th. So it's kind of co coinciding with the, uh, with those periods as well. Perfect. All right. Um, if a corporation and I took a shareholder's loan in lieu of salary, then how does that get paid back or when? And I think you touched upon it. It does. It didn't look so good for payments that way. It does not. You must have. Well, again, right now, as of today, you must have had that payroll history in order to qualify for, uh, for the CEWS, and still the CERB qualification is, is to be determined. Right, so something about, I, I, I use the term um, verifiable or tracing and tracking, and it's, if, if it's this way, then that's, you know, it's, there's so many interesting, yep, lots absolutely. of learning. Yeah. Lots of learning. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, I'm an employer, staffing has gone from 16 to four, did not I did not take a paycheck. I have a disabled child, loss of 60% money, keeping employees because I have to stay home with child as caregiver and teacher. Do I or can I qualify for anything? Uh, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> so for sure. So what I'm actually going to recommend in this case um, is for those who are wondering, hey, just where the heck do I start? Um, go to our Facebook group. And at the very top, the top pinned post is a cheat sheet. So that cheat sheet is basically the bare bones criteria and eligibility that says, well, for the CEWS, here's the few things that determine if you qualify. For the CERB, here's the few most important things to determine if you qualify. So it's a little bit like it's a cheat sheet. It says, here's the major kind of benefits available. Take a look at that. That will help you determine exactly what, might, what, might, uh, what you might qualify for. Thank you. And this person, well, now this is an interesting question because I think there's still some confusion regarding business structures, but mm -hmm. can sole proprietorship with no income qualify for CERB? Absolutely. As long as the owner uh, of the sole proprietorship, number one, is earning less than $1,000 in the business, and if they're shut down, they're earning nothing. If they don't have another part-time job, let's say that's earning $1,000 or more, Absolutely. And in fact, that's a prime example of what the CERB is for, is for those sole proprietorships and for those corporations and those businesses that are completely shut down, earning nothing. So as long as you're earning nothing or less than $1,000 per period because of COVID, absolutely. Yeah. And I noticed, I'm um, sorry, Ross also responded in yes. Um, if you made more than 5,000 gross 
in 2019? Yeah, yeah. So again, I'm answering these questions based on that exact answer or that exact question. There are other criteria, and, and Ross is right. As long as you earn 5,000 or more in the last, uh, it used to be 2019 alone. Now it's within the last 12 months as well. So if you started up a sole prop, had no income, and just shut it down, of course not. Uh, but yes, you must have earned at least $5,000, and that includes dividends as well. At the start of CERB, uh, the 5,000 that you must have earned excluded dividends. But now those who uh, who receive five thousand dollars or more in dividends uh, qualify as well. So what? So with that in mind, and especially because we do with a lot of startups at BACD, if they started in December and or January, and they would literally quit their jobs, everything they had a, a savings on the side that was going to be their buffer for the next three months. They were building up momentum, but there was absolutely no income because the sales hadn't started being generated yet. Are they saying that? they don't qualify did they earn prior to starting their business and dropping everything more than five thousand dollars in income as an employee okay so that's what so that's yeah. it if they earned it as an employee then it would be separate to them earning it as a self-employed so they yeah. received it somehow okay yep. thank you that that clarified and, a and lot to be very clear to be very clear right now on cra's website when you try and apply it says they must or they must expect to stop working so if you actually try to apply right now, what I said doesn't entirely make sense because, well, how am I supposed to earn $1,000 but not work? Right. And it's a very important distinction. And the reality is CRA hasn't updated their information online. I can confirm that CRA's own documents internally say you must have stopped or expect to stop working in brackets almost completely. So you are able to still work but you must have been reduced because of COVID. And again, they haven't explicitly said that it's because of COVID, but I mean, that's the logical thought process, right? If I was making $900 a month prior, I can't just go ahead and say, well, great, now I qualify for, for CERB because that was your income prior, right? It must be impacted because of COVID. I cannot say thank you enough. Uh, again, on behalf of BACD and all our supporters and all the individuals who signed up today, for all this knowledge and all this information we really appreciate you taking the time out and sharing it with us as you rightly said there's it's it's constantly evolving as new cases come forward and, and really understanding that not everyone fits in a box and this is it's tremendous i i at least appreciate that they are listening and that's yep. a huge yep. you know that's a very important thing they are listening and, and they're trying to make the changes so Thank you for dis for what's the word deciphering it for us and helping yeah, yeah. <laughs> everyone understand. Right? Not a problem. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, Patrice. Uh, again, it's it's one of those things where um, it is a very good thing that it's changing so much, and and the reality is they're changing it for the better, right? So you do got to make sure that you're staying informed, or at least talking to somebody that is staying informed. And I know for a lot of people, there isn't any malicious intent in a lot of these things that they're applying for. And that's why it's, it's very, very good to see the CRAs and penalizing people for wrongfully applying for some of these anyways. Um, so yeah, just make sure you stay informed um, and, and make sure you either ask an accounting professional or somebody who, who has the answers as best they can and as best as they exist, right? So thank you, Patrice, and thank you, BACD, for having me, for sure. My pleasure. Our pleasure. So wishing everybody a safe and enjoyable week. Hopefully it's as productive as you hope it to be. And, uh, and please continue to follow us, continue to look at the news and events tab to see what else might be useful for you during this time. Thank you again, Mike. Thank you again, your bottom line. And we will see you next time. Thank you, Patrice. Take care, everybody. Thanks for joining.
thank you for being a guest today on our podcast. This is Teresa Shaver signing off from the Business Advisory Center Durham, and we hope that you will join us next week. Take care, guys. Thank you.